0: Start, please. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our series called Radical Living. Um, we uh, we started this last week, and really this uh, uh, this idea sort of uh, came out of one of the verses in the Beatitudes we did, where we talked about hungering and thirsting uh, for righteousness. And, and I said that, that probably the best way we do that is by, by living, by doing the next right thing. And I've, I've sort of given that as my definition of what radical living looks like. And um, Peter, in First Peter, it, it, it kind of gives us a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts on what that sort of life looks like. What, what that kind of living looks like. And, and so our, we're going to work through First Peter together um, over the next few weeks. Parts of it, obviously not all of it. And and sort of the foundational verse out of that series of of uh, scriptures is 1 Peter 2.12 that says, Live such good lives among the pagans. And I'd, I'd rather have the word pre-Christians there. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that He visits us. That's kind of the foundational verse. Now, I know I messed them up upstairs guy I came to without a bullet and I didn't do the scripture reading. I'm sorry. So... Uh, Wherever you're going to catch up to me, you're going to catch up to me. Um, this idea of radical living is supposed to not only impact us and change us, but but according to Peter, it's to impact the the people around us, the, the people who don't know Jesus yet. Uh, that, that, that's that word that's been sort of translated there, pagans. It's, it's, and uh, The word has a, a worse impact now than it did a couple thousand years ago. Um, and so, uh, you know, the concept is people who don't yet know Jesus, um, as we live out a radical life, uh, it, it's to impact them as well For uh, and, and hopefully give us opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And Now, radical, though, uh, and I, I want to make sure we're on the same page, it just means not what the culture expects. That the life that God calls us to is far different from what the culture sort of experiences nowadays. So, so, you know, I'm not talking about, uh, uh, when I say radical, you know, where we, we're out breaking laws or anything. I mean, I, I don't know what your version of radical is. I'm just talking about living this thing out in a way that makes a difference for the kingdom of God. That's that's what we're talking about when we talk about radical living. Um, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 is what I really want to talk about today. And it was our scripture reading for last week, but uh, this week, uh, it, it goes like this. But you, Peter says, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once... You were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I want to cover uh, today five uh, ideas or concepts that I think Peter gives us um, in that message and uh, that I think are very important in regards to uh, living a radical life. Things that you need to know about. Uh, the way God sees you and the plans that God has for you and the purpose that God has for you, in order to live this thing out. So the first one is this, very important. You need to know this: that God picked you. God picked you. First Peter two nine it says, "You are a chosen people. God picked you. He picked you to be on His team, because He wants you on His team, because you have value, because you matter, because you count." Because you're an asset to his team. Um, and and you need to know that you weren't like the only one left in order to be picked. He, he, he would have picked you first. Uh, you know, so sometimes I talk about this and I, I know that some people had some very painful team picking experiences when they were younger. Probably everybody did depending on your age, you know. And I can remember being too young for the group and getting picked last and feeling, you know, uh, and... and you need to know that, that uh, he picked you, and he picked you because he wanted you, not because he settled for you. He wanted you on his team because of all that you bring. All the things that he created in you, he picked you. And, and so you have to know that. And the reason why it's so important to know that in life is because when you know, and when you settle in the concept that God has picked you, that he's chosen you, that he's accepted you, then, then often we can let go of some of the struggle that we have in trying to be accepted. Because people spend a lot, uh, an inordinate amount of time, trying to feel accepted and to fit in. And, and we'll make compromises that we wouldn't normally make, we'll, just, to, just to be a, a part of a group. Um, we'll, we'll do things that we might not otherwise do, just so we feel like we belong. And see, if, once we know that we've been chosen and accepted and picked by God, um, we're not as susceptible to making bad decisions in order to feel like we fit into something. And I, I know, you know, when we're younger, we, we often call that peer pressure. Uh, and we, we see it impacting young people all the time. But I don't really think it changes much. We look at it a little differently. Maybe we get a little settled. But, you know, a lot of times people are driven to be accepted into a certain group and it impacts the cars that they choose, and the and the clothes that they wear, and and all these other things, and and when you could be far more settled in who you are, and and maybe uh, not sort of feel pressured to try and belong in that way, and so so you have to know how important it is that you are a chosen people, that God picked you, that He's He's picked you. I mean, it's a it's one of those life-changing things when you can grab a hold of it. Uh, you know, if you, if you just lose yourself in that, well, he did it for everybody, no, he did it for you. The cross was all about you. He would have done it just for you. That's how valuable you are. That's, that's, that's how he sees you. That's the value you have. And you have to begin to um, let that settle on you because most of us have had that sort of concept beaten out of us over time and life. And so it's very important to grab a hold of that. Of that idea that he chose you for his team, and that that it's the most amazing team in the universe. You ever, you know, you know. See this, this, this life. Um, being a Christian, uh, the good news, the 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 deal that we got, is absolutely the most amazing deal in the universe. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like grace. There's nothing like this, this deal that comes and says, you, you know, we've messed up. We get it. Yeah, we have. We've all sinned. We've all done things we should have done. Things have been done to us. And here comes God, the creator of it all. Everything. And and he so wants relationship with us that, that he comes fully man, fully God, Jesus Christ, lives a perfect life among us, and then at the time of his choosing, goes to the cross and gives it all up for us to pay for that mess, defeats death, is resurrected, seen by lots of people, and has made a way for us to have eternal life. There's no deal like it. No one off. There's there's nothing better. And that's the team he's picked you for. And you've got to let that settle on you. There's nothing like it. See, we get so busy sometimes that we don't consider the impact of, of what I just said. We, don't, we forget that there's nothing like it. It's the, it's the best deal there is. It's the most important thing there is. And everything else, compared to it, is temporary. I mean, and we, we forget. We lose sight of that so fast. We get caught up, so caught up in the temporary, that we forget the, the magnitude of the eternal. And, and that he's got us. How amazingly cool is that whole process? And so you're a part of his team, and it's this amazing thing that we have to, you got to take time and reflect on every now and again. Now, as part of that team, you need to know that he's called you to be a minister. That's part number two. And, and uh, a minister. He's called you to be a minister. Now, we've been tossing these terms out here lately. We've, I've called you ambassadors here recently, and we looked at that, and I said, you know, that would be one way to, to talk about that. But you need to know that you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2, nine, he goes on and he calls us not only a chosen, a picked people, but a royal priesthood. That's you. You're part of the royal priesthood. Paul, I didn't put this verse in your notes, but in Romans 15.16 he says that he's called to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel. He ties these concepts together. And, and so you've been called to be a minister. Now, what we've done somehow over time in the church is we've, we've t- taken that term that's to apply to everyone who's come to Christ, and we've limited it to a few people. Like, sometimes people will look at me and say, oh, well, you're the minister over at the vineyard. And I want to say, well, I'm one of a whole bunch. Because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I, we're all ministers. Now we've got different talents and different gifts, and you're obviously not all sitting up here in the pulpit. That's that's what he's called me to. But but we're we're called to minister to uh, to him and to the world around us with the gifts that he's given us, uh, because that's being part of his team. And so we need to begin to sort of balance in this concept that not only has he picked us, but we're we're royal priesthood. There was a royal wedding not that long ago. You're royal priests and priestesses. I don't know what the other verb is. We can just go gender neutral, right? Priests. Because um, I get confused otherwise. Uh, You've got to think about that stuff. You know, just what I said, think about, you're an ambassador. Think about this. You've been picked by God and you're a minister for Jesus. The The, the idea is that we are called to, um, to represent And to serve and to proclaim this good news. And and we're to represent God, as we talked about as ambassador, and we're to serve. Um, You know, Jesus said he he came to serve, not to be served, and that's part of our calling. And that's what it means to be a minister. You're called into ministry. Um, And and we've messed up the term now. Well, you mean full-time ministry? Well, yeah, it's full-time ministry, but not everybody's going to get a paycheck this way. You get your paycheck doing whatever it is you do. But you're still a minister. Do you get it? We've, we've lost the term. And so we've tried to... And somehow in the process then, we've, we've given away the responsibility. Because if I can say, well, he's the minister there, then it's on him. Right? That's what we've done. Oh, well, you're the minister of church, so you should be doing all this stuff. No. That's so not what the Bible says. Ultimately, the job that I'm given is to equip you to do everything that's in here. That's my job, as well as do it myself. I can't just tell you to go do it and not do it. But, but that's the deal. I can't do everything that we're called to. We're called to change the islands. We're, we're called to, to get one more lost child back to dad. That's what we're called. I can't do that by myself. It takes all of us. And he's called us to it. He's given us a ministry as part of his team. Um, in, in the Greek, the word means a public servant, um, a, a functionary in the temple, or of the gospel, or a worshipper of God, or a benefactor of man. That's the idea. See, we're supposed to be serving Him, serving others. Which brings up the third thing. See, not only uh, are we picked and and are we ministers, but He's also lumped in there the motivation. We we talked, we did a whole series about the motivation, but He brings it up again. First Peter two nine when He calls us a holy nation. A people belonging to God. And to me, this brings up the whole idea again of loving God and loving others. We spent a lot of time talking about that. Um, we're a holy people belonging to God. And I said last week, and I took most of the, ser- most of the sermon last week to say that, that holiness, to me, is best displayed in loving extravagantly. That the most holy people are not the ones who have secluded and isolated themselves. The most holy people, in my opinion, are those people who are in the midst of a fallen world loving them back to Christ. The best they know how. And, and being his ministers. And knowing that, that he's called us to love him and to love others. And he loves us. And it's, it's just an amazing deal. See, but it, it all has to begin to click in our brains. That this is the process. You've been called. You've been picked. He loves you. He wants to hang out with you. And as we hang out with him, he's going to do stuff. He said, let's go do this. Let's go over here and tell these people about Jesus. Let's go bless them. Come on here. They are. All these people need They need someone to encourage them. Come on, let's go. Do so, you know he goes with you? Isn't that cool? He never sends you alone. You know, in the Scripture, they always send him out in pairs. It's good to go with other people, but he's always with them too. But in our study this week in Acts... We, the Apostle Paul um, had to beat it out of town in Berea because the the religious folks from Thessalonica had come and started spreading lies and hired some thugs to, to mess him up and so they got him out of town. And he goes off to Athens by himself. The rest of the team stays there in Berea to get the church started. And so he's all by himself. And yet he gets there and he's so distraught at all the idols in, in, in Athens that he just starts talking to everybody that he can in the synagogues and in the in the marketplace about Jesus says that anybody that would listen he tells about Jesus he's all by himself why because Jesus is with him and he's like look at all these people they they desperately need to hear come on talk talk to them and he does love them encourage them whatever you can do then all of us can reason like the apostle Paul (laughs) like none of us (laughs) but we can bless people we can encourage people and we can love people with whatever we got and we make a difference. And that's that's what this whole thing is about. Our motivation is since he loved us, he just wants us to go and love other people the way he loves us. That's it. Not be so consumed by everything that takes us away. It's, every, it's so easy every day to get busy, isn't it? Do you, do you find that to be true? I can get so busy even doing good stuff. But you know, good stuff ain't always God's stuff. Sometimes it's just good stuff. It's not bad stuff. But I don't want to miss God's stuff doing good stuff. Am I making too many words? That's my new saying. Bumper stickers, please. I don't want to miss God's stuff doing good stuff. So, you know, this is all part of... The, I really want to write that down for tomorrow. Because <laughs> that was right on the spot, you know. Don't miss God's stuff. Thank you. Oh. Okay. Um. So, so that's our motivation now so, so he's chosen us to made his ministers he's given us a motivation which is love and then he gives us a mission 1 Peter 2.9 that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life that you can tell other people about, about what happened because you were in darkness and now you're in light and, and like I've told you before the best way to do that is to live it out in front of them you ain't perfect none of us are and, and and so the best thing to do is just like I said love people when you when you mess up you know you can be transparent you run back to God ask for forgiveness you go off again you're trying to do the next right thing none of us is fully there but we're trying and and that you know this is the mission and we call this uh, you know our mission and I know we've been talking about it we'll keep talking about it uh, we call the mission we have here one more that helps us to maintain perspective That that you know we're all about trying to get one more lost child back to dad that's it that's it. And so we can, we can weigh everything we do against that. Is this helping to get one more lost child back to God? If yes, then we do it. If not, then we, should, we probably shouldn't do that. Because it might be a good thing, but it, maybe it's not a God thing for our mission. So we start weighing these things out in our lives. So, so we have this as well. So, so it's, look, he's picked you for his team, and he's made you a minister for him and he's giving you the motivation of love and, and, and he loves you with his incredible love and he said okay and then your purpose is this this is your mission we we got to get some other people in and so you've got to tell them about what happens and then maybe, maybe the coolest thing of all for me anyway I think this is the coolest thing of all in this process is that he gives us a new start he gives us a new start now, now see when because when you're a mess like me a new start is a huge thing um and when you've messed up, as bad as I've messed up in my life, I, knew, I, I remember the very first time when I was a new Christian, and and uh, so it was just last week, no, um, 1985, I can remember giving my life to Jesus, and then six or eight weeks later, we there was this thing out on an island down here, um, and, and I was a new Christian, and the, the church was going, I'll go. And, and I was sitting out there on this island around a fire and the, and it was at night you know a campfire and the stars were out and all of a sudden I got this amazing revelation that I got a brand new start and all the mess I'd been carrying not you know I've still got a mess but but this thing lifted all the lies that I'd you ever did i don't know if you were like me but i had a whole cadre of lies floating around that i was trying to remember all the time <laughs> who i said to what and what situation because of the life i was living it sort of lent itself to making up as many stories as you could and who and and all of a sudden man it was like hey you got a brand new start you you it's all it was this thing and and so um If you ask some of the few people around here that were still there, I just lost it. And I I sobbed for like hours. They were freaking out. They didn't know. I couldn't stop. And it wasn't... It was so good. It was just... ah, It was this amazing thing. But see, I get the concept that I get new starts all the time. I get new starts all the time. 1 Peter 2.10 See, once you were not a people, you weren't... But now, see, since you've been picked... You're the people of God. Once you'd never received mercy, now you have received mercy. Brand new star in Christ. And it's the most amazing thing to me to, to know this do-over happens. This this cosmic spiritual do-over. I probably, I've used this analogy before if you've been here, but I, I like it. Because I, I think we can relate to this again. I talked about kids earlier. When I was a kid, I can remember this, and, and I'm, I'm sure you can too, um, unless you're way younger than me maybe they don't do it anymore I don't know because they only play video games so I don't know but we played all these outside games you know tag and hide and, and, and when a game started if you got out right in the beginning of the game and you knew it was going to be a long game you'd immediately ask for a do-over anybody with me? I need a do-over and the wild thing is they'd always give you one okay yeah sure do-over and then you say so you're back in the game anybody can you relate to that? that's what happens and I think all the time, God, I need a do-over. And he goes, okay, do-over. Yes. <laughs> how, how amazing is that, that this is the God that we serve, that he's with us and for us and he loves us. And so, see, this, this concept is, is that, that, that we, this is where we understand the radical life in that we live. Because it's not even about us anymore. It's about him, and he takes care of us. And 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 it, life is so much bigger than we we tend to make it. And and we get so consumed in this little narrow thing that we think life is, and it's so much bigger. And and we never find life in here when we're trying to make life work and find life for ourselves. We never do. It's only when you go, well, that doesn't work. You got just whatever. And all of a sudden, oh, okay, that's life. That's what you called me to for however long you called me until you take me home. Which is a plus. And so this is the the thing that we have happening. So that's the picture of a radical life. He's picked us, he's called us to be his ministers, he's loved us, and he's motivated us by that love for holy living. He's included us in his mission to seek and save what was lost. And he did it all by giving us a brand new start. And pretty much giving us a new start every day. And see, that's kind of a foundational piece of this radical life. And something I want you to think about in the, in the days ahead. Take those with you. Think about those things and how they all fit together. Amen? Amen. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. And uh, we love you guys. If you need anything, call us, write us, whatever you need. We'll see what we can do to help. But uh, we're going to close with prayer here and uh, call it a day.